Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the second chapter. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophets, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The birth of Jesus Christ is not good news for everyone, especially if you are a first-century king. Jesus' birth has instant political ramifications. There's no getting around it. King Herod receives word of the arrival of this infant king and is immediately suspicious and immediately threatened. He jealously fears for his crown. And he orders a mass infanticide. Right after today's text, Herod orders the murder of all the baby boys in and around Bethlehem in the hopes of killing Jesus, who by this time would have been around the age of two. However, Jesus escapes Herod's murderous rampage because his parents were warned in a dream about Herod, By the time his killing spree begins, they are well on their way to Egypt. The family are refugees in Egypt for some time before returning home and settling, not in Judea this time because Herod's son is king there now, but rather in Galilee, where Jesus grows up. It's funny, though, isn't it? It's a little funny. I mean, Jesus hasn't even done anything yet. He's two. He's just learned to walk, talk maybe, and already there is bloodshed in his name. 
Already an entire generation of boys his age have died for him, all for fear of him. There's tragic irony here, I think. Is he not, after all, supposed to be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace? Indeed, he is these things, but he is also king of kings, which does not go unchallenged by kings of human history. And so, as the toddler Jesus is worshipped by visitors from afar and showered with expensive gifts he cannot play with, thousands of babies die. This is the violent story surrounding this day of epiphany, which technically was yesterday, January 6th, which puts an end to our 12 days of Christmas. In many countries around the world, Epiphany is celebrated as much or even more than Christmas itself. In Spain, the day is marked by huge parades commemorating the journey that Jesus and his family made to Egypt. Throughout most of Latin America and Europe, Children write letters to the three kings asking for presents, and they leave their shoes outside overnight filled with fruit to feed their camels to be filled in exchange by the kings with gifts and goodies. In Bulgaria, Russia, Slovakia, and the Czech Republic, men dive into freezing water to retrieve small wooden crucifixes, a tradition dating back to the 6th century. And all throughout the world, there are variations of a particular epiphany cake or bread, wherein a small doll is hidden, representing the need for the young Jesus to be hidden from King Herod. This day is beloved around the world, and yet, even in its fame, it's shrouded in mystery. Nobody knows exactly how many kings came to visit Jesus, although tradition names three and has even given them particular names. Balthazar is often represented as king of Arabia, Melchior as king of Persia, and Gaspar, or Casper, as king of India. Their religion was likely Zoroastrianism, an ancient religion going back 3,500 years. Their belief in one god and the presence of heaven and hell had deep influences on the Jewish faith as it began to take shape among Abraham and his descendants. It's often referred to as the world's first ecological religion with its claims that the world and all that it contains is sacred and in need of protection. The kings were likely not even kings at all, as we understand kingship, but rather priests which is what the word magi actually means, related to our word magic. These ancient ones looked to the stars to understand their place in the cosmos. They developed a sophisticated astrology of the world and used astrology as a means to date important events in history. The magi also used astrology to predict cyclical events, such as seasons, significant climatic changes, and possible predictors of the end of the world, even as some of us look to the skies these days, wondering about the end of the world. These priests are looking to the heavens when God signals to them that a major shift in earthly powers has happened 
and God signals this through the rising of a star. And so they embark on a journey that traditionally takes them two years to reach Jesus. And so, with the arrival of these sorcerers from the east, the manger scene is finally complete. Now that these latecomers have arrived, let's recall the faces of the ones surrounding Jesus at the nativity. We have the shepherds, who are not at all the pious keepers of sheep that we often portray them to be. In fact, the shepherd's crook is related to our word crook and crooked. They carry a violent history with them. The first murder recorded in the Bible in Genesis 4 was that of a shepherd, Abel, being killed by a farmer, his brother, Cain. They occupied at that time the lowest rung of the Palestinian social order, In the strict caste system of first-century Palestine, shepherds were considered thieves at best. They were despised and considered dirty and sinful. Imagine, imagine the outrage then at their claim that the Son of God calls them to his manger. Inconceivable that governors and chief priests and elders and Pharisees received no such invitation. Of course, we have Mary and Joseph, And the scandal of pregnancy out of wedlock, we know the ramifications for Mary should Joseph up and leave her, death by stoning. We know that in about 12 years' time, Joseph disappears altogether from history, leaving Mary to raise Jesus as a single mom, facing alone his arrest, his torture, and his execution. And now, last but not least, we have the Magi. These strangers from the east, whose days and months and years are governed less by kings and more by planets and stars, finally arriving from the east, the ones of whom Isaiah prophesied in our first reading um, this morning, where Isaiah says, even those from Sheba shall come, he says. And where is Sheba but modern-day Yemen, the third most violent place in our modern world, if you look at guns per capita coming only after Serbia, and the United States of America. What we learn about God here is astonishing. We learn that God brings people to Christ in ways that we cannot fathom. Can God really lead people to Christ through the rising of a star? Sure, why not? It's right here in the Christmas story, right there in black and white. Can then God lead people to Christ through the patterns of the stars and planets, through the waxing and waning of the moon, through ebbing and flowing of tides, through a shaking mountain or a burning bush or a terrifying whirlwind? Sure. These two are biblical. Who are we to judge the means by which God reveals God's self to this world? Who are we to judge how God calls people, in what language, from which culture, from which caste? We have come to Jesus because we have observed his star at its rising, say the Magi, and they take their rightful place by his side. How does God call you. Jesus calls the most unexpected people to his side in this Christmas story. If we are to speak in terms of worth, 
the question of worthiness. The shepherds are not worthy of being there. They are despised outcasts. Perhaps, though, Jesus invites them because he too becomes despised and cast out. Are the Magi worthy of coming to Jesus? After all, they do not share his faith, neither the Jewish faith of his ancestors nor the Christian faith that follows Jesus. And yet, Jesus calls them to his side without demand of conversion, even as he opens up his kingdom to the criminal crucified by his side without demand of conversion, offering him a day, this day, in paradise. Jesus calls these ones to his side as they are, despised, criminal, outcast, foreign, and loves them as they are. Do you know that Jesus calls you too to his side as you are to walk with him, to die with him, to live with him. We cannot understand this mystery of Jesus, this incarnation, this God-made man. Our task, though, finally, is not to understand, but to share and to welcome, to invite without condition, without limit, in following the example of Jesus. The net that Jesus casts in his epiphany is cosmic and forces us to think outside of ourselves, our church, our denomination, and even our faith. None of the people at the manger of Jesus were Christian. None were baptized. Certainly none were confirmed or knew their catechism. They are mystic. They are astrologist, criminal, and homeless, unwed and yet a family, refugee and alien. They are forefathers to the Muslim and the Hindu. They give rise to violent generations, and yet, and yet they and we gather around this infant king whose birth means death for innocent lives, whose paradox of earthly reign as Son of God begins now. We, then, are the unexpected guests whom Jesus calls to his side and who, for just one moment, lay down those things that govern our lives, our guns, our crystal balls, our compasses, our astrolabes, our cell phones, and gaze at the face of Jesus the Christ, the only thing we all have in common. Amen.